Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host. It is literally true that you can succeed best and quickest by helping others to succeed. That's our quote today, and it's by Napoleon Hill. Today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Lynn Filderman, and she has a 35-plus year professional life, which began in the technology policy arena and evolved into a career as an independent consultant where she could leverage her expertise, skills, and passion to create strategic, world-class, and innovative corporate and nonprofit programs and partnerships. She is mission and purpose-driven. The purpose to bring her experience, skills, and passion to companies and nonprofits of all sizes and to help catalyze and empower them to achieve authentic, meaningful, and enduring social impact. During the first months of COVID-19 pandemic, she formed her company, Curation on Purpose, and it is outstanding. Very brave to start a company during COVID, but she's doing fantastically, and I can't wait to bring her on. Welcome, Lynn. Good morning, Heather. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Good, good. The weather down there okay? Uh, well, no hurricanes, so, so far, so good. Good, good. Knock on wood, right? You never yes. know with these days. Uh, so before I ask some of my questions, do you want to just give us a little backstory? Is there anything that you'd like to share with people about how things have gotten you to where you are? Absolutely. Look, I was born in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. and... It was really formative in my life, and I'm very proud to be a native Washingtonian and a family that was in retail. So I learned a lot about entrepreneurship and business, even though I was not on the retailer sales side. And that contributed a lot to how I see the world because I began to learn how to look beyond the words to what's going on. And I've had a, been very fortunate in my career so I look forward to diving into what I've learned, how I've gotten to where I am, and what I hope to accomplish going forward. I know. I, I love that you have so many great um, ideas for moving forward, and you just do such an amazing job of helping people. But before we move forward, let's go back to, you know, how did you see your professional life, I guess we'll call it evolving, over mm -hmm. the last 35 plus years? Yeah. Well... <laughs> Early in, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life, I didn't quite know. I knew I wanted to have impact. So I just kept following my, my gut and having opportunities presented to me, which I'm very grateful for, that ended up taking my, my journey in different paths along the way. And part of that was an opportunity would come my way, Heather, and I had this internal mechanism that was purpose-driven, but if something came my way, if it was clearly a no, like it was a no, if it was clearly a yes, I could feel the door opening and I'd wanna go down that road. 
and that informed my early career. But in later in life, there were times when an opportunity would come at me and it kind of was in this neutral place inside of me saying, you know, I don't know. And I always felt that was the universe saying, that's the road to go down because you don't know where you're going to end up. Mm. I love that. That's really interesting. You know, sometimes it is an obvious no or an obvious yes, but most of the time it's more of that in between, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, yeah. it is. I love that. Now, I, I know that you have these kind of career arcs. Could you share a little bit about what that means to you and what it looks like? When I was putting a resume together a few years ago, which I hadn't done in 20 some years, and it was a blank piece of paper in front of me. And I decided to work backwards from where I was to what I was doing and then go back to the previous experience and go all the way back to my college years when I was also a research associate. And all of it made sense, but it was very five very distinct career arcs that when it was a blank piece of paper, when I was getting out of college, um, there was no path there, it was blank. And then as I start to look back on my career, there were very distinct arcs where, for example, Early in my career, I was a research assistant on some technology policy projects that opened my eyes to what was going on in the world and how to engage the public in technological decision making. And at the end of that, I was very moved to, I need to do public education. That's what I need to do. And I wrote a resume at that time. Uh, We're talking 1983. I put in my career objectives of what my vision and what my dream was, was to do public education programs on a national basis. And I didn't have the experience, but the universe aligned for me. So my technology policy was like the first arc. And then I got into moving to do public education programs. I worked with Sesame Street and I worked with the American Red Cross National Headquarters because I had gained an expertise in disasters. And that both of those organizations gave me the opportunity to create national education programs to help families and children stay safe in hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, and tornadoes. But also every time I was given opportunities to learn more and do more and learn more. And then eventually the next arc comes along because something inside of me says, I've learned what I need here now, I need to, do the next thing, whatever that is. And the next thing at that point was, I really wanted to be involved on the corporate sponsorship side, the corporate, back then it wasn't called corporate responsibility, but on the corporate philanthropy side and work with nonprofits from the corporate side. And I just kept growing and having opportunities to grow and on and on. So, but they, they look back retrospectively as five complete and distinct career arcs. That is really interesting. I think it's a good exercise. In today's world where people are looking to expand and take their skills potentially in other areas because of what's going on in the world, to be able to do that kind of an exercise where you're looking back and you're looking at the themes. And I love that what I'm hearing you say is that your vision carried you forward. You decided first based on what you learned 
and where you wanted to go. And then the opportunities came to you. That's very powerful. Mm. You know, that is true, Heather. You know, um, there's a couple of younger people that I mentor and especially in COVID when there was a transition. And I would always say, this is the time for you to think of what your dream is and what you really want to accomplish in your life. It could be general, it doesn't have to be specific, but find where your passion and your vision and find your purpose, because that's gonna then dictate how you see opportunities that come your way. I love that. Now, I don't ask this kind of question of every guest, but I know you can handle it. So I'm going to ask you, how does your spiritual life inform you professionally? I'm glad you asked. Um, it, my spiritual life, it, it comes about, it really emerges in times of transition or in times of challenge. Because um, on a day-in, day-out basis, when we're going about our lives, um, things are humming along, but then my spiritual life informs me in this way. When I know I need to make a change and throughout my career, I've always been the prime mover and saying, it's time for me to move on. I need to pursue this next opportunity. Uh, COVID was the first time it happened to me. Mm. Um, and for the first couple of days, I felt like I was you know, got the wind knocked out of me. And then I stopped and I said, I have reinvented myself my entire career. This time I'm going to reinvent myself yet again. And where my spiritual life comes in has to do with fear. Mm -hmm. And when the need to do something is greater than any fear one could have, that's the first step. Uh, when I need to do this and economic fear, financial fear, security, those things fade into the backdrop because it's more important to follow my heart. Uh, then, But there's also this thing that I learned many years ago about when, when the world seems, even in your vision, and the world seems like you're going down the road of everything seems to be aligning and you feel a lot of abundance and it's that love, that abundance of the world. And then the next day you wake up and you're in fear and yet nothing has changed. Um, that just means I don't have enough faith in the process because I trust the process of putting myself out there. It doesn't mean being passive and then waiting. It means putting yourself out there. And then in those days of fear or the days of no clarity about, oh, this is all going to work out. You just put one foot in front of the other and that's all you have to do for those days. So it's that uh, fear and scarcity and the other side being abundance and the need to do is greater than any fear that I could ever have. I love that. It, it definitely resonates with the way that I see the world as well. You know, that that element of, of trust in yourself, in, in your faith, in, in what you know in your heart. You said this, in your heart. Mm -hmm. That is what's going to guide you. And whenever we stray from that, that's when the fear crops up. So I love how you, you know, kind of juxtapose those. That's fantastic. Mm. Now, as someone who produces, it sounded like you might have had something to add there. 
Uh, yeah, I did, but that's okay. Go on. That's fine. <laughs> I don't later. want you to hold back. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not holding back. Don't worry. Don't okay. Worry. As someone who produces events, what motivates and inspires you? Well, the thing that I've had the good fortune of being the executive producer of a conference uh, for three years called the 3BL Forum, 3BL standing for triple bottom line, 3BL Forum, Brands Taking Stands. And I worked with this wonderful CEO at 3BL Media, and he gave me free reign to shape the stage and the conversation on the stage creatively. And I did that for three years. We were going to do it. October 2020 in New York, but it'll now be a virtual 3BL forum. But what I love to do is I love talking to every speaker before, well before I'm shaping the stage to get, they always start out when you talk on the phone and say, what are you going to talk about? And they'll always talk about, well, this is what we're doing, X, Y, Z. And then I always say, why are you doing it? Why is this important? And I always get uh, deeper insight. So I try to shape a stage that's a conversation that gets at the why and the how behind corporate thinking and corporate decision making, and that it's authentic. And now with a virtual event, talk about authenticity, when we see everybody's kitchens and living rooms and dogs and cats and kids <laughs> and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I shape the stage that's very fast paced because I want to leave the audience wanting more. And uh, it, it's built a reputation. A colleague once said it's high octane because it's really fast. The sessions are 10, 15, 20 minutes long. And that I see it as a canvas. And that's where my, I get to be creative about how I shape an audience journey over the course of two days, or in the case of the 3BL virtual forum, it's on three Thursdays for an hour and a half. So the sessions are gonna be really fast, designed to just provide a lot of information, but authenticity, because that's the thing is, when you have somebody from the corporate world speaking, I approach everyone as first and foremost a human being and they've got a story to tell and they're just giving us insights into the why and the how and how they think and how a company has gone from from somewhere to someplace else through these internal conversations. I always try to get at these nuances that you can't get anywhere else and get people to be really authentic in how they talk to our audience and talk on the stage. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love this because Lynn, as a speaker, I'm always asking in the initial conversations with the planners or, you know, the people that are in charge of the event, I ask them about their why and their how and what they're looking to accomplish. But I so rarely get that same extra conversation, those same questions back. It's just, okay, what's your topic? And I have to kind of dig a little bit to find out how I can customize to to fit and, and mm-hmm. mold to the mission and the audience. But I, I think it's fabulous. And I get that that's how you came up with the curation on purpose, because you're, you're curating an experience experience with the stories and I just think this is a phenomenal way to put an event together. Heather you just said something that strikes me when you said typically you'll ask uh, 
um, an event organizer, what's their why, and then you'll try to shape your remarks to something that they say. I do the reverse. I know the general themes, and and even if I don't, every conversation with the speaker leading up to helps me form this event and form these conversations. And it's always about my overall themes, my, see, that's my event, my overall themes. Um, <laughs> now people know it's my stage. Uh, come on, they know it. Um, <laughs> so for example, the 3BL virtual forum, Brands Taking Stands, Business Elects to Lead, which was to be in person in New York, and now it's virtual, and I was asked to produce that, be the executive producer of it. And our themes are, I mean, I pay attention to the world, and the themes, when we came up with the concept, was uh, seven, eight, nine months ago, before everything happened, as we now know, the last six months. And it was about business leadership. And then all of a sudden, the theme is that much more important, and we're looking at business leadership around the coronavirus and business leadership around Black Lives Matter and the movement towards racial and social justice. And also where business is leading in the Get Out the Vote initiative. And then finally wrapping it and connecting all the dots to this world of sustainability and climate and what's known as ESG environment, social, and governance, how companies are looking at all of these things given how our world has changed in the last six months. And so those are the overall themes. And then all the speakers, I see where they should fit. It's like putting a puzzle together and giving, give it, putting them in a place to hear their voices around these themes, which is a gift to me that I get to do that. That's fantastic. I bet that is just going to be a phenomenal event. Now, let's take that glance forward. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about it. We alluded to it. But how do you imagine the future of in-person or not in-person events? What do you think that the future of our industry is going to look mm-hmm. like? Well, a couple of things, and I think a lot about it. So when COVID hit, I started paying attention to a lot of virtual events and got to meet a whole bunch of folks in the event industry, which has been great, such as yourself. So when I think about in-person events, and I have a giant question mark, it's this thing that I look at the world with through the lens of curiosity. Because I think, when, let's assume safety. It's safe to go to events again. Um, first of all, the the industry is calling them hybrid events mm-hmm. and um i i don't see them as hybrid i see them as layered i see that if you're going to have an in-person event i don't know what we're going to expect of them i i suspect that we don't even know when we all can show up first of all there's budget but when you can attend events in your own home at your own at your own pace, I think it's going to be very challenging to engage an audience as we have for nine hours in a space. So I don't know what it's going to be. And I'm thinking that if if I produce uh, an in-person event in 2021, if I were to do it today, I'd put a kitchen table on the stage and have the speakers all talk like they're talking on all these virtual events. But I think it's going to be layered where you have to weave in 
a virtual audience because we expect no matter where we are, we can attend anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And something has got to be very meaningful in order for, for people to spend the money to go in person. And I don't know what it is yet, but I think it's going to be different. And then layering and finding a way to layer together your in-person audience with your virtual audience that can be around the country and around the world. So I understand networking is always really important. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be an important piece. But I think the formula for successful in-person events hasn't been established yet. And I think it's a creative opportunity to reinvent. Why do we get together in person? Because I don't know the answer just yet. What a what a beautiful answer. Because it's always okay with me to say, I don't know the answer just yet. Because when people just kind of make it up and they just don't know, this is perfect. And some of the things that I want to point out here, um, meaning, came up it has to have meaning we're inundated with so many different opportunities to learn something to do an online a, a virtual thing right now because people want to serve and get the message out there but it has to have meaning for us to give up our you know most important resource which is time and so i think that's a big part of it and i love that you know and for me, what I'm hearing is you're going to go back to how you've made all your other decisions. You're going to go back to your heart. You're going to go back to, you know, that trust that you have. You you don't seem like you're in, when you say, I don't really have the answer yet, that is not a fearful place. That is a curious place. That's what I hear. And I think that is fantastic. Heather, you're right. It, it comes from curiosity. It's, it's a creativity in the space of events. And I would say this too, another part of the formula is with virtual, with all these Zoom calls, we are experiencing the nth degree of authenticity. People wearing their COVID clothes, um, you get to hear the birds in somebody's backyard in, in Germany or in the West Coast or up North. And there's an authenticity that we are now experiencing because of all of these virtual phone calls, virtual meetings. And I think we're going to expect something different of each other when we see each other. Because our masks are off. When you can see the CEO's living room or uh, somebody in the C-suite, their attic with the pic their kids' pictures handwritten, you know, painted on the walls. And um, it's an authenticity that I think this time has allowed us to experience that I think we're going to look at each other differently when we first get together in person. And I'm hoping that people will bring their authentic selves as, as they have on all these virtual meetings. You know, it when you just said that right now, I got chills because I just I just wrote an article about this that hasn't been released. It's not being released until tomorrow, which will be yesterday. <laughs> when, <laughs> when people hear this, um, but and it's about um, the masks that we're wearing and how, like, what a visual where you're talking about. We've had to put on our masks. But yet it's allowed us to take off our masks. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and you just hit on that. And I and I literally have chills thinking about the way that you just said that. That's fantastic. Um, 
people who work with you know that you have truisms. Yeah. <laughs> so what, yeah. are they, what are they and why? Okay. So first is there's no substitute for experience. And experience counts for so much of um, how we learn and grow. And I mean, I look back and I can draw on my own experience to inform me and teach me. So I always say there's no substitute for experience. And so get as much experience as you can, no matter what, uh, no matter what age you are. Um, but experience, because that's going to help inform um, your knowledge on a DNA level. Mm-hmm. There's another one that I have, which I'm, I don't know if it's entirely true now, but I always say there's no substitute for face-to-face. <laughs> yeah. um, we've seen a substitute, and I don't know what that face-to-face experience will be like uh, going forward in terms of professionally, but there still is no, no substitute for face-to-face. Now, I'm old school, and I say there's no substitute for paper. I'm sorry, I can't read a novel on a tablet because I'm visual and I want to know where I am in the book. And I can see, oh, well, there's that quote. I want to flip back to these pages. I want to know how far along I am and where's the end. So that's why I say there's no substitute for paper. And those of us who grew up on paper know that reading um, on electronic devices is different than when you have it in your hand and you're reading it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I- I, uh, I just need, I need to touch on that one. I made a, I need to comment on that one because I have always been, uh, you know, I guess I'm old school too, but like, I'm, I, I call it tactile. I want to touch my book. I want to turn the pages. I want to smell it. And, and I just recently had another experience that reinforced this. So a friend of mine who is 91 and amazing and has like such an interesting background, read a book, highlighted it, and then decided to share it with me. I think everyone should read a book after someone else has highlighted it. Mm -hmm. Because as I'm reading it, I am seeing into his heart, into his mind, into what's important to him. Why did he choose to highlight this sentence? And it's just, it's speaking to me in a way that I never would get that otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, I'm with you on that one, Lynn. (laughs) Actually, I'm with you on all three. (laughs) Now I have another two and that is this. Yeah. Yeah. So during times of transition, um, and I've said this often lately that Lynn's truism three years from now, you're going to look back and this is all going to make sense. Mm. It's all going to completely make sense. And, um, The other add-on to that is there's a solution more wonderful than you can imagine. Ah, what a beautiful truism because, you know, we get so caught up in thinking that we lost something in this moment and then inevitably later we look back and we say, having lost that opportunity left me open for this better opportunity. And I see it literally almost every day that things like that come back for me. So that is very very good thing to keep in mind in three years it you're going to look back and it's all going to make sense that's right 
Yeah. You know, these truisms and the way that you are running your events and the way that you're thinking, I just have a feeling that our listeners are going to want more from you. Can you please share um, how they can get a hold of you, anything that you want to share about Curation on Purpose or anything at all? Okay. So curationonpurpose.com is in, it's, we're in the business of curating it right now. So the full website will be launched in September. You'll mm-hmm. find more there, but if you go to curationonpurpose.com, you can find me on LinkedIn. And we've wrote an ebook, a uh, young man that works with me, Samuel Northrup, and he and I put together uh, an ebook. We participated in an event and curated an event on the future of uh, social good events. So we have an ebook on that. So if you connect to me on LinkedIn, that's the best way. And I'd be happy to share the ebook. And then we will be producing an ebook uh, after the 3BL virtual forum when we hear what companies, how companies are navigating these uh, challenging times and how they're stepping up to leadership. That's an imperative to address some of the challenges, particularly companies' authentic leadership around addressing uh, social and racial justice. Well, I can't wait for that one. But would you be okay if I put a link to your current ebook in our show notes as well as a link to Curation on Purpose? This way people can also, I highly recommend that you connect with Lynn on LinkedIn, um, but um, I'd love to be able to give them that easy access to your site and an ebook if you're okay with that. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Well, as I alluded to, 30 minutes goes by really fast. So, you know, Lynn, you have been extraordinary. Do you have any, you know, burning philosophy or idea or thought that you would love to leave our listeners with today? Yes, I would love to say to all of you who are listening, Dig deep inside to find what your purpose is, because your purpose is your North Star. And that's been my North Star. And I think a life that has purpose, no matter what arena, that's the thing that propels, that can propel you to having real impact and having real meaning. And that's the thing that is will guide you in those times when we're not certain but the purpose is the driving force. So that's what I would offer up is, if you don't know your purpose, dig deep because everybody has a purpose. I believe that very strongly as well. Sometimes we just are um, not listening close enough. So I encourage everyone to dig deep, find that purpose, just like Lynn said. Lynn, thank you so much for your time today, for your you know, wonderful perspective. And I encourage everyone to reach out to Lynn to get a little bit more information from her. Thank you again, my dear. Thank you, Heather. I appreciate it very much. Mm-hmm.